Welcome to the third season of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic science podcast where we explore the fascinating borderlands between science and theology through realms of philosophy, human experience, and more. Welcome back to That's So Second Millennium, episode 102. We actually talk a lot in this episode about autism. Bill questions me about it. I talk about, we both talk about its fairly vague definition some alternative approaches you can take to it, whether it has to do with sensory sensitivity, which might be more genetic, might not always have to be genetic, or whether it could really be based on things like trauma. We don't know. We're not experts in the field, but uh, I definitely discuss some of my personal experiences with different kinds of trauma, different levels of degrees of it and sequences of it. Um... So yeah, so we, we, we opened that discussion up and, and related to the context of what we were talking about with the COVID uh, plague that we're going through and isolation, social isolation, and mental isolation. So, all right, hope you enjoy it. This is the part part three of our conversation. So uh, hopefully in early June, we'll be back with you with uh, an interview from Bill. The subject of autism came up. And as you know, it, it's something that you and I have discussed uh, in the past, a little bit, and yeah, a little bit. Not yeah, maybe. Uh, it, it's uh, well, it's it's a rich topic uh, for all sorts of of reasons. Not the least of which being that it does seem, uh, from a layman's position like mine, that uh, you know it's it's defined in so many broad ways now, yeah. and it's used it's used very uh, lightly and blithely to uh, to describe all sorts of of things and there's you know the autism spectrum and all and everybody wants to be respectful of it lord knows i want to be respectful of it because i i see it as a kind of modern day um add phenomenon where if add and adhd had been more fully uh uh diagnosed uh 20 30 40 years ago i think uh, some aspect of 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 my life and many other lives uh, might have been changed in some way, but, yeah. but today yeah. it's, it's autism. So it, uh, but, um, what, what you, you, you folks didn't really talk about it, um, in, in the podcast too much, but is there, a, do you, do you kind of see a middle ground where, uh, autism can be more and should be more narrowly defined, uh, rather than the kind of, uh, very general Gosh, I don't, have. I don't know enough about it to, to even want to have an opinion about that. I mean, I've yeah. read a little bit about it. So I look at, um, you know, I, I looked at, you know, for a while, a couple of years ago, I was investigating the question of whether I had some degree of it and it would be, I mean, it's, it's like any sort of mental disorder. They, they blur off into each other. We want to have names because names help us work with the concepts. Right. Um, I mean, concepts, you know, a concept is a, you know, but we, we have to recognize that, you know, things shade off into each other. So if you read John Rady, for example, mm-hmm. um, popular psychologist who talks a lot about how our sensory apparatus affects our mental health and our ability yeah. to function in the world. Um, he, he zeroes in a lot on the aspect of autism that, you know, things that are, who can be to some degree hypersensitive to things um, right. and that causes us to shut down and yes. to, to avoid taking in input from the outside world. Yes. But there's an awful, awful lot of other aspects to it. 
And so, mm. and so, so you think about that. Okay. So think about that for a moment and then shift your eyes over to, okay, suppose, so suppose you've, <laughs> again, totally hypothetical example. Suppose that you have a kid who has been exposed to a really violent event, some, right. some horrible, bloody accident happened to, oh, let's say his sibling, for example. Indeed. And, um, you know, and then he sort of, you know, what, what's, what's, a, what are natural reactions to trauma? Withdrawal and anxiety and trying to, trying to avoid, you know, dangerous situations. And of course, what does a five or six or seven year old child know? You know, noise is probably symbolizes a dangerous situation, you know, just right. like our, our pets would, you know, react with a startle response to loud noises. I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I had that experience, of course, I've talked about it before and it's not yeah. a secret, but then, and, and I'm, I'm just now realizing I'm talking, standing, you're talking about loud noises. So I mentioned earlier today that they tore down my rural public school. Um, they tore right. it down after my fifth grade year. So my fifth grade year, the way the school, it was, it was a, it was this big square building that had been built to be first through 12th grade. And mm-hmm. so it had nice big gymnasium and a beautiful stage. Um, and then it had, you know, it, it had a, a study hall. And so, uh-huh. so the way things were divided up in my day, it was K through eight. So right. kindergarten was down in the basement, <laughs> down right. in the beautiful uh-huh. concrete basement. And, uh-huh. uh, and then you went, you went up a floor to the first floor for first through fourth grade, maybe second through fourth grade, maybe first grade, you were still down in the basement. Um, and then fifth grade, fifth through eighth grade, you got to be up in the sort of upper story, which was, gosh, was it above the gymnasium even? So you had the study hall and you had four classrooms off the study hall. And that was when you'd made it, man. You were, right, you, know, right. you were the big kids now. So I got one year of that. And so in one of those rooms off the study hall, I mean, things were just, it was the last year. They, they apparently the school board, you know, had decided basically made it clear they were going to close the school after, you know, May 1990 or whatever it was. Uh-huh. And, and so they were just, you know, there was stuff that was just not being maintained. And so I remember, I think it was my math classroom. Um, they, uh, the chalkboard had just, the, the chalkboards were leaning away from the wall. The, the gorgeous old slate chalkboards were just like no longer really attached. And Gosh. one of them just fell, you know, finished falling and, you know, crashed to the ground directly behind my chair. Oh my! You know, one day in fifth grade, I'm like, and I've already been through this previous experience, uh-huh. and and I'm like, you know, that probably didn't help anything. Yeah, <laughs> that probably yeah. didn't help anything either, because I talk, yeah. I'd say to people for years afterwards that I have this exaggerated startle response because of that. I'm like, well, that, and of course now with you know decades more insight, you know, that was that was probably not the beginning. That was just part of it. Yeah. Right. But but still worth uh, noting because uh, there really is that mix of um, uh, nature and nurture. Yeah. And, so what uh, is autism? Yeah. Is it is it solely genetic or can it be can it be induced? I guess that's a that's an aspect of the question I'm trying to raise here. I don't know. Right. I, here I, too. I, I yeah. couldn't imagine. Uh, couldn't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's 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 an endlessly interesting topic, and we uh, in in society we tend to. Make either make everything either totally uh, binary. Uh, you know, uh, they have autism or they don't have autism. Or right, uh, so define yeah, this way. Yeah, you got you got to cross yeah. a line, and then you have this diagnosis. Whereas really, yes. it's 
really it's, you know, it would be more like, well, you know, your problem is probably about 40% trauma and maybe it's 30% autism. And then it's 30%, you know, this other, you know, thing that's going on, be it genetic or some influence in your life. That's really not, you know, you know, that's, that's, let's say something from Darsha Narvez's spectrum of, you know, right. Which is equally, equally, if not superbly, uh, uh, you know, uh, compatible, uh, with, with all of those other things. I mean, it's equally important. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, frustrating, uh, but, uh, all the more reason for, uh, podcasts like this and explorations like this of how science and, uh, science and religion and uh, faith and reason and all of these things have to come together to understand such a complex universe. Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, really interesting, but go ahead. What, what were some of the things that you wanted to talk about? Well, at this point, I mean, it's almost 10 after one. So hit me with one or two. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah. and, and the other thing about it is, is I'd really actually like you to read that article. Like it's the oh, cover okay. article from uh, Notre Dame from magazine the Notre Dame? from the yeah, spring 2020 okay. Notre Dame magazine. Okay. If, do you have that around? I mean, probably, I uh, probably it's probably, probably in that same online. kind of stack. Oh yeah. And that it will be online. Yes. Yeah. 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 But the, but the so longshoreman and the newspaperman, I would be fascinated to get your take on that article Really, and talk yeah, about, okay. and, and to talk about, cause of course I can talk about it from the perspective of, you know, the, the messy, uh, sausage making business of, um, academia and then, right. you know, employment in academia. Um, right. and I, I think that's, I, I, I think it'd be interesting to see what happens when we bring all those insights together and talk wow. about, you know, of course, you know, the longshoreman side of it, you know, manufacturing or moving or other, you know, manual labor jobs being outsourced or automatized. Um, versus, you know, and even intellectual jobs like, you know, journalism, either the field just changing completely. And even some of that can be automatized. You know, it's just something surfs around and picks up links and, you know, an algorithm says, oh, this Facebook user only wants to hear things from this side of the, uh, you know, ideological spectrum. So that's what I'll feed it. Um, and then, yeah. And, and then the just, gosh, the just blunderous, exploitative and it's and the embarrassing thing is for all of us with phds like we have a phd and we're letting ourselves be exploited we should be smarter than this but we're not yeah it's really it's really kind of embarrassing i mean i think that's that's fundamentally part of it it's embarrassing and of course you know why do we stay in school so long well we don't necessarily know what else to do with our lives well, that's that's part of it, and also the the same educational system uh, in K through twelve that was that's still basically a remnant of the of the kind of um, uh, manufacturing oriented assembly line way, or at of, least corporate, right? I mean, you corporate, go through you definitely get, corporate. You get your you get your twelve you get your high school diploma, and then you go to work, you know, typing or something for the man, you know, in, yeah. inside this massive you know vertical conglomerate. Right, right, and that extends straight through to PhD uh, uh, ed- education. Even though there's supposedly a whole lot, well, there is a whole lot more individuality celebrated. There is, and that's part of the learning process. That's almost worse in some ways because interesting because you know the individual, you know, the people who've partly because they've done the work, partly because they won a number of lotteries in terms of you know coming at it with the ability, you know, coming at life with the ability to actually take a step back and say, what am I going to need to do to succeed at this game? Because it is a game. It is. Um, And then, you know, 
but the, but a lot you know winning all of those lotteries you know and then developing those skills because of course you do have you unquestionably have to do the work um right that you know once you have that knowledge you then need to act on that knowledge knowledge by itself right. never gave us power that's another 12 step saying um really but really? if you if you've acted on it you, there's still no guarantee whatsoever that you're going to be a good manager and you have to be a manager yeah and you're and then and then the whole fact that you're i mean phd students are just exploitable cheap labor right and to a lesser right. extent postdocs for exploitable cheap labor right um with you make no promises to and you know you say goodbye to them and they're you know they're working for far less than what their earning potential is elsewhere in the economy which you know right. that's you know that's not a monolithic uh good thing either you know that's right. you know, it's you can't get very far before you have to start answering questions about all sorts of strange things about how you know people value things which is what drives an economy what do we value and what are we willing to work for yeah yeah it gets it gets very very basic and i and again it's just like it's just like Hilaire Bellick said all of the we have all these practical people wandering around who believe they have solutions but they haven't really thought through to first principles or final consequences right yeah they they may think yeah. they have but they have they have not gone very far they've only gone a layer or two deep and they've taken everything else for granted as it just has to be this way yeah that's right another reason for discussions like like these to uh uh not only uh, ask better questions but to ask questions that extend across a whole uh chronology that, that look at the the backstory the full context uh, you know, where things are leading, what are the consequences of something. Uh, and journalists are just horrible at doing that. You can you can see that simply by how everything is framed in the context of breaking news mm. on uh, yeah. TV news, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and so uh, where where what, is what, that? What crashed? What caught fire today? <laughs> right. That's it. That, right. So there's no no context. And uh, no, uh, we're discouraged from thinking of first principles or, or consequences, yeah. or yeah, yeah it's uh, really just quite a, uh, a limited learning uh, world. And uh, I, I'm wondering uh, whether this uh, COVID experience might might help us to be a little bit more probing of um, you know as we rebuild the economy. Um, uh, what what can go and what should be kept, and uh, yeah. how has this uh, how has this feature uh, uh, treated us in the past twenty years, and should we reshape it now? Has it, has it been change? earning its keep, or has should it been we earning I mean, yeah. its keep? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, is it uh, should we not waste a crisis? Who's I don't know if that was Lyndon Johnson or who said that, but never never waste a good crisis, which of course can be used in terrible terrible ways. But that's right. Yeah, and I think it's mostly the the lingo of uh, activists, um, and uh, it's mostly political lingo nowadays. I can see the wisdom of it. But yeah, usually crises are weaponized now rather than used as a learning experience, as an epiphany, uh, as a true crossroads. It's more just as, uh, you know, the latest battle uh, to be won between uh, wordsmiths spinning different uh, memes and uh, sound bites. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, we are uh, very much uh, trapped in that kind of mind frame as a society. I'm hoping that this experience, uh, the COVID experience, is, uh, it could free us a little bit from that as we learn to appreciate people and uh, human community more and how complex human beings are. But um, uh, so we've been boiled down to the essentials in these past uh, four to yeah, six Yeah, I mean, weeks. what we're doing is, has been very, very utilitarian. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I think we even mentioned it last month that, you know, or how, how could you possibly grapple with the question of what the relative costs are? You know, I saw I saw right. an article online that, that tried to take a very crude hack at it. You, you know, of course, and of course, you have to put a dollar figure on human lives at some point. Wow. Well, you don't have to. There are other ways of looking at it, but that's I would hope so. You know, that's yeah. certainly the. the yeah, I mean, the, you at some point you're weighing human lives against human lives, at least, you know, yes. and trying and trying to pull out every last one of the, um, you know, the people who, you know, die by suicide or domestic violence or, you know, because of lack of access to something. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, uh, just even being able to attend uh, 12 step uh, meetings and uh, all these things. Uh, it's uh, how, how limited have we uh, made ourselves um, <laughs> even without worrying about the nitty gritty paychecks of the economy uh, where we're locking ourselves into uh, very limited ways of thinking and all uh, at the motivation of science. Um, like, you, like you were saying, science, uh, science uh, is not properly prescriptive, but in absence of anything else, we have allowed it to become prescriptive. And science uh, is wonderful, uh, but it can only take into well, yeah. account so many variables and it can't take into account the human nature variables right i mean it, it, it's it's i mean it's 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 its own form of logic it's it's a it's a procedure that depends on logic and like we were saying earlier logic has no internal you know if you if you know where you want to go logic can get you there or at least it can do right. a lot to get you there but like you're saying we you know it has no prescriptive value. We try to, you know, so we try to, but we're trying to shove prescriptive value on science because it's the only thing we trust now. It's what, exactly. And, and science refuses. And so what we're really doing, <laughs> so right. what we're really doing is just going at it with extremely half-baked, you know, utilitarian philosophy. Right. You know, so some, and horrendous numbers of unthought assumptions. And just yeah. sort of, you know, brute cultural drift. If I may coin a phrase, I suppose. I love that. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just what we've we've all sort of. I mean, we just sort of look at each other and you know, and have sort of intuited. Well, this is what I'm allowed to say, and this is what I'm allowed to say that I value. Right. And it's right. not, and it's just drifting. It just drifts. Yeah, we're kind. Of, we kind of deem ourselves fortunate that at least science has given us something that we can do that we can call. Uh, virtuous and constructive, and as the statistics do show that, thank God, uh, you know, uh, hospital admissions are going down and and deaths are going down and stuff. So, by gosh, science must be doing a darn good job, and we're proud, we're part of it, and so we're we're pretty darn good too. 
but we can't afford to let that be a closed loop of self-affirmation between us and science. Right. I mean, and it's, it's not to say that we made, you know, that governments have made all their decisions badly about this. No, I mean, exactly. The desire right. to save lives is, of course, virtuous. And if we're, it's we've taken this, yeah. we've taken this action and, you know, and certainly the good thing about science infusing, there are people keeping track of, of this. There are people yes. who are learning at least, you know, from that epidemiological standpoint, okay, this happened. And there are going to be people, there are already people you know, gathering information to do studies of the psychology and sociology of what happened here. You're right. Yes. That's going to be very exciting, actually. But for, but for oh, those well, to, yeah. to reach their full potential, they need to, you know, they need to be married to a, an anthropology, an idea of yes. what, what the human person oh is for, what, yes. what and, and some, some idea of what is actually valuable. Yeah. And some, and some sort of hierarchy of values that cannot come it can be informed by, it can be, you know, you could, you could, you could have a hierarchy of values. You can't just construct an arbitrary hierarchy of values. Right. You could, that can be an arbitrary hierarchy of values can be thwarted by actually doing the science of observing how human beings actually behave. Right. But it, you can't construct a hierarchy of value. I mean, if you're constructing a hierarchy of values just from your psychological and sociological studies, you are assuming utilitarianism or something. You're assuming yeah. something because you're you're yeah. judging something. Yeah, you're making yeah. that judgment whether you let yourself see it or not. So uh, the Catholic Church and and others with values uh, that uh, appeal to um, uh, the common good and to uh, things that are uh, akin to human dignity in the individual, we're going to have to be ready. Uh, at the top of our game, uh, at, the, at the top of our intellectual game, and ready to be conversant in the public square, when once these results start coming in from these studies you're mentioning, where you know in a kind of univocal secular kind of way, they're they're going to say, well, clearly uh, we learned this, this, and this about human nature from the uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. experience but they're they're yeah they're they're not going to have they're not going to incorporate the whole picture and someone's got to incorporate as yeah. paul harvey used to say the rest of the story the rest of the story yeah indeed yeah indeed. yeah oh it's fascinating well all the more reason for uh podcasts like this to continue i keep promoting our podcast at least to, <laughs> our, to us at least uh, to us I yeah exactly. yeah i probably should promote it Once, more widely but i do, I do but yeah yeah. Uh, if, but if, if someone is already listening, then uh, we've, we're, we're grateful that you're that, already listening. Amen. And amen. Tell, the promotion tell, has Tell worked. one or two other people. We would really appreciate that. It, and if amen. you have feedback about uh, stuff that you would rather us do or do differently, uh, by all means, send it to us. But uh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's always a pleasure talking with you, Paul. And uh, I know you're very busy these days. And, and so are uh, you. The, aren't we all? Oh, my. Being under all? Satan's yeah. yoke. <laughs> <laughs> no that's that that really is that is that's is, that is part of the subject of my conversation with my between my loving parent and my inner child today was about i really do like i just keep trying to convince myself that i have to do more than i can possibly yeah. do in a day and it's not true uh, it's no, just not right true. Uh, yep yep no it's right we have to uh we have to treat ourselves uh with the same kind of uh love and uh, dignity that uh, we believe uh god is giving us uh, god has given us uh yeah uh well so the story continues 
the story continues. That can be my yeah. personal message to you, dear listener, from the, from this Divine Mercy Sunday, whenever you're actually getting Amen. a chance to listen to this, but it's recorded on Divine Mercy Sunday. So Yes, yeah, and when we uh, <laughs> when we consider the, the, uh, the battle for uh, uh, science and religion and, and all of these other things and the tendency to be both relativist and moralist, we have to remember the need for uh, mercy as a component uh, in our everyday lives. Yeah. Uh, whether we believe it's the uh, God is the source, or or some uh, you know some wisdom I- intrinsic yeah. to us, yeah. it's a it's a beautiful wisdom. One that it I is. appreciate. It is yeah, that is true. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's So Second Millennium. TSSM's audio producer is Morgan Burkhart. Our theme music, Igneous Grok, was composed and performed by Vin Marquardt. For my co-host Bill Schmidt, I'm Paul Geesting. Until next time.